You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Late Night Live. Hot topics discussed daily from 11pm onwards. Get involved by calling 0141-375-3434 or search Radio Ramadan 365. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to Radio Ramadan's Late Night Live show with myself, Zen. And my dear co-presenter Abu Bakr. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing Abu Bakr? Alhamdulillah Zain, I'm fine. How are you today? Alhamdulillah, I'm good, I'm good. And uh, you know, just wanted to start off the show by saying thank you to our great listeners and our audience last night who who really helped us out with our fundraiser. We were raising money for the Trussell Trust, one of Radio Ramadan's charity partners this year. And uh, incredibly, we had a great amount of donations and the support from from the community, from our listeners, was outstanding. And honestly, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy with, with last night. What about yourself, Abu Bakr? Alhamdulillah, last night was good. We raised uh, some funds for the Trussell Trust. Um, uh, it was a very good... Um, show? Show, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, uh, you know, tonight is, is going to be a great show. Like, honestly, I was worried about the show tonight. Did we have enough guests, enough features? But, well... You know, like just be- between today, I've managed to pull together some some not just great research, but great uh, interviews and uh, great guests that we're going to be listening to throughout the show and asking questions to. So uh, it's a really long, busy show tonight, and uh, we appreciate all the listeners that are tuned in. If you are new to the show, Late Night Live is a hot topic discussion show where we're discussing current affairs but also just having a chit-chat between ourselves. We are Glasgow born and bred, and uh, this radio station is very local and close to our heart. There are different ways you can listen in via online on the Radio Ramadan website, radioramadan.scot. We're also broadcasting live on 87.7 FM for those that are in Glasgow, and also on 1530 AM on Medium Wave if you're wanting to listen to the show that way. Now look, tonight's show, uh, before we come on to it, is, is one that's that's really current it's very you know important that we discuss tonight's show because it's all about appreciating the nhs and the frontline workers that have been battling through this pandemic and been on the front line of everything that's been going on so i'm really excited to appreciate them tonight but also hear the stories and the hardship that they've been going through uh, and and honestly it's, it's going to be amazing to listen to those stories before we do that however there is something that I definitely want to, to, to do and we've not been able to do it the last few shows because we've just been really busy and uh, getting into it but it's very important that we do this. I started off the first couple of shows with something called the recitation of the day. It's a chance for you to hear a dosage of Quran from various reciters around the world and tonight is a beautiful voice, someone who's actually been to the UK a couple of years ago and uh, I want everyone to, to listen in to this beautiful recitation of Surah Fatiha. Today's recitation of the day is by the Saudi Arabian Sheikh Abdurrahman Al-Usi who is very well known on YouTube for his emotional and soft style of recitation. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka Na'bud Wa Iyaka Nasta'in Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqim Sirat Al-Ladhina An'amta Alayhim Ghayri Al-Mazdub 
SubhanAllah, what a beautiful recitation there from Sheikh Abdurrahman Al-Usi. If you go on YouTube and type in soothing recitations, you'll come across this brother. He's got a beautiful voice and it was so soothing to hear that, Abu Bakr. Indeed it was uh, a very soothing um, piece by the Sheikh. Um, yeah, I know you're quite into the soothing recitations. When we listen to Sheikh Sadais, you, you love that one, didn't you? Yeah, that was a real, I, I, I listened to Sheikh Sadais a lot. Uh, it's probably one of my favourites. Um, after Fatih. Okay, come uh, on, Kari Fatih. Well, <laughs> well, look, Kari Fatih's recitation's not been on yet on the show, but trust me, we'll, we will have a, a really nice recitation from him later on in the show. And uh, uh, definitely, let's get started because we've got Indeed. a busy show. Now, look, uh, like I said before, we are appreciating all the key workers out there that have been supporting us throughout this pandemic. And Abu Bakr's going to open up the discussion tonight as normal. We all know the work. Uh, we all know the amazing work that our brave NHS staff have been doing on the front line, saving lives regardless of our skin colour, beliefs, or opinions. The nation's the nation is in debt to our heroes, from paramedics to doctors to our supermarket staff and delivery drivers. Tonight's show is to appreciate you and to applaud our amazing fellow Brits, both born here and abroad. Now, as Abu Bakr has mentioned there, this show is all about appreciation tonight and honestly we've got a great host of guests joining us today. We also have a fantastic couple of interviews where we actually interviewed those staff that are working on the front line. Now before we go into that, I want to just uh, briefly discuss what key workers are and uh, the different key workers that have been allowed to work during this, this crisis and you know how important they actually are. Now look, uh, Abu Bakr's got a list and I want you to read out the, the different types of people that have been working um, at the moment. So a list of the key workers uh, are uh, the NHS staff, social care workers, school and nurseries, police officers, court staff, religious staff, journalists, some government staff, delivery workers, supermarket staff, army and minister of defence, firefighters, pr uh, prisons and probation, transport workers, uh, infrastructure uh, uh, companies like gas and electric and some financial services as well. Yeah, so those are the people that have been working, like you said, there to end off uh, people in banks and all the cru crucial utilities and we've actually heard from some people that have been working throughout the previous shows as well. Now, you mentioned there obviously that the most important one, the most well, not the most important, I would say the one that's been talked about the most, the NHS staff. And I actually had the chance to, to speak to a couple of NHS staff members earlier on today. Uh, they're from uh, down south and they're good friends of mine. And uh, this is their interview that I had with them earlier on today. So over the phone today, I have a couple of my friends who are actually involved in the front line and working on the NHS, Faz and Maria. Assalamualaikum to you both. So tonight I've got you on the show as we are appreciating all the key workers and those that are working in the NHS and on the front line. So I've got a few questions that I wanted to ask. I'll start with Mariam. Mariam, what's your day normally like? Um, so I work in a dental hospital which has been converted into like an urgent dental centre. Okay. Which means that any emergencies come to us essentially. So when we would normally be doing routine treatments or seeing patients for checkups, we're now only seeing um, dental emergencies. And um, in, in, in my speciality, we only see children. Okay. So we're seeing a lot of children who 
may have fallen over, you know, especially with people staying at home at the moment, children are sort of having a lot more accidents on trampolines, um, falling over, falling off their sofas, for example. So when they fall over and they hit their face and have trauma to their teeth, uh, we end up seeing a lot of those children, as well as a lot of children who may have toothache or infections associated with it. Okay. Um, So my day is basically seeing calling patients or, or patients who call in sort of giving advice um, if it's if, if it's something that can be dealt with at home or if it's things that are much more serious that's when we get them to come in. Okay and uh, thanks for, for, for letting us know what it is you actually do and, and Faz, uh, Miriam's husband also works uh, on the front line. Faz, how are you staying positive throughout, throughout this crisis? Um, Assalamualaikum everyone. Uh, thank sir. you firstly uh, Zen for having us on. Um, I think it's uh, a difficult time for everyone um, and especially going into Ramadan and you know seeing uh, a very different Ramadan so it has been tough um, you know with the work that we're involved in um, and also just from a spiritual point of view not you know having access to mosques so one thing that we've started doing to stay positive is actually connecting um, with our friends, uh, with our families much more than we would normally Um, and so you know, and this is something that I'd encourage everyone to do as well sometimes we lose the relationships over the years um, and we sort of don't connect with people uh, and we only see people you know, as sad as it sounds, is at weddings or at funerals. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a time where, you know, what we've done to remain positive is we've really connected with people that we haven't spoken to in a long yeah, time. True, so, true. you know, Zoom calls, you know, um, there's so many apps now that have been created, house party, you know, there's a, a Ludo one as well, so <laughs> like Ludo. Yeah. You know, um, there's another one that, you know, uh, Scattergraph or something? Yeah. What's it called? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Scattergrees, you know? Okay. Um, all these apps which have just come, but, you know, it's helped us to remain connected. And I suppose that's one good thing, is we've remained connected, um, you know, which is, you know, helps to remain positive. But also Ramadan in itself, um, I really think that that's sort of uplifted um, our spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very different Ramadan. Let's not, uh, you know, be around the bush. Uh, you know, it's not something that we're used to. Um, but a lot of people that I've spoken to, and including myself, they're finding this Ramadan actually a lot more spiritual. Yeah, because they're at home, I guess, and, and they're actually getting that time to focus on themselves and their and their learning and their Ramadan. Uh, 100% Zen, um, and you know, there's so many, you know, positive talks out there, you know, and I really encourage, you know, for, you know, if somebody is feeling down, just log on to YouTube, and there's so many amazing sort of lectures from, you know, Yasser Qadi to Omar Suleiman, and, yes. you know, you know, I'm sorry, you know, and it's just a good time to reflect, and, you know, one of the issues actually mentioned that, we're actually fulfilling the sunnah by praying tarawih at home, you know. Yeah, I know, me for myself, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure you're the same thing, like, you know, yeah. after you have a nice munch for the start, <laughs> you know, you're not having to run away to the mosque, yeah. to the mosque you know. It's normally like, you eat, you, especially because, you know, it's tarawih is really late. So, 
We get the advice from the government daily. But I wanted to ask Maria because she is on the front line as well. Is what's your advice to the public, to our listeners that are listening at the moment? What's your advice to them during the lockdown? Um, so that, I mean, as Chile is found, we should be following government advice and staying at home. But um, I think it's also things like trying to ease the pressure on the NHS in other ways. So, for example, now that people are finding they've got so much free time, all these DIY projects that were on the back burner for years and years and years yeah. are suddenly the thing to do. And so people need to try and just reduce the element of risk they put on themselves. So if it means that they've got to climb two ladders to get to the roof and fix something, yeah. try and avoid that. Because actually, if anything happens, and you know, we wouldn't want anyone to, to be put in harm's way, but if anything happens, that's a visit to the hospital that that you know um that could have been um avoided yeah but the other thing as well to bear in mind is there are also people out there who are poorly or who have children who are also poorly and they're of trying to avoid going to emergency services yes. when really they need to attend um and actually within my line of work we've seen a few children now who have come up to the hospital with like big massive facial swellings when right. it could have been avoided had they come earlier so the important thing is if someone is poorly or someone is in need of medical attention make sure you do reach out that the emergency services are there for you and you shouldn't just be completely trying to avoid going there as much as possible okay. um, if you can help it yeah no i appreciate that because that's something that a lot of people are worried about they, they think they've hurt themselves or they're ill and they don't want to bother the NHS. I'm one of those people that was like, you know, I don't want to go in or call someone out unless it's serious. But but thanks for for that advice to the public. And I'll I'll end with Faz. Look, I want to know once this is all over and you guys are working so hard at the moment. And thank you, and we appreciate everything you guys are doing. And that's what tonight was about. Do you have any plans for a holiday or a getaway or a break? this crisis is going to last this pandemic um, and until the vaccine 
uh, is sort of created. I mean, I've got personally, we've got some family at home as well who are quite vulnerable. Yes. So yeah. we wouldn't feel comfortable in having, you know, uh, going abroad or putting any risk uh, into ourselves, you know, because of our line of work as well, and also to our families. So we would say, once, you know, um, this is the first, this lockdown phase is over and people start living their normal lives. Um, you know, we would like to go away, you know, just to take a break from everything that has happened. Um, but it'll just be in the UK a little bit more. Um, and, you know, it won't be like, you know, we're not planning to you know, uh, you know stop going around. No, no, that, that's that's great. I just wanted to obviously see if you guys had any plans. Obviously, we know we're not going to be going anywhere for a while, but just something to look forward to once once this is over. But but enough. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. <laughs> I hope so. And that's one of my things. Once I'm done, inshallah, I want to go around the UK and, and see everyone that I've been seeing. I'm going to come and see and so on. But inshallah, look, guys, thank you so much for for no, coming on the show tonight and thank you for all the work you're doing and inshallah I will catch up with you guys soon so alhamdulillah I know that was a bit of a long interview there but I wanted to get their points across uh, Faz and Maryam who I just want to say jazakallah to them thank you so much for, for getting involved and telling us what they've been up to and it was uh, inspiring to hear the story especially from Sister Maryam She's working on the, the front line and, and dealing with children on a day-to-day basis and uh, I know how hard they've been working and it's been great to get them on the show. Now another person that I know that's been working so hard during this uh, pandemic, someone who's, who's, I'm going to be honest, is a very amazing brother to me. I love him, I've got a lot of love in my heart for him and uh, I actually met this brother on Hajj in the most beautiful ways. And uh, I also am very close friends with his cousin. This guy is 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 honestly one of my one of my. If someone I want to be like a role model or someone that I look up to, it's brother Azhar Sheikh. Brother Azhar, how you doing? Not bad. Alhamdulillah. How are you keeping? I'm good. Good. Alhamdulillah. Look, honestly, it's a such a pleasure to get you on. Now, look, I know how busy you. you are and and the line of work. So, first of all, tell us what it is that you do. So I'm a community pharmacist. Um, so I'm based in a pharmacy in Shawlands called uh, Wellcare Pharmacy. Um, so I'm there full time um, at the moment with everything going on. Um, we're kind of, I suppose, frontline in the community at the moment. So as you can imagine, very, very busy. Alhamdulillah. Now look, you, you are a pharmacist and I know how busy you've been. The first thing I want to ask you is how are you and how are you feeling and how, how are things? Thank you. Not many people ask that, so thank you. No, alhamdulillah, I'm okay. Uh, not too bad at all. It's been, um, I guess, like for most people, a really, really weird time. Um, uh-huh. And it's just, you are literally just taking each day as it comes because I guess like everyone else, you're waiting for the government guidelines to see how to proceed. Um, from a pharmacy point of view, it's changing literally on a daily basis because uh-huh. we're told so many new things of what to do and what's happening. Um on a daily basis, we're getting constant emails, different communications of what we should or should not be doing. Um, I think from a pharmacy perspective, we've never had so many changes mm-hmm. in such a short space of time in all our career. Um, I've been a pharmacist now for um, about eight years, it'll be this year, but there's people I know that have been pharmacists, yeah, alhamdulillah, but people I know have been pharmacists for about 20 to 30 years and they said that they've never experienced anything like this workload that they have in all their, in all their career. 
Swan and Latin. We're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. So tell me, what's your normal day like? So when you go into the pharmacy, what what is your day consisting of now when you go in? At the moment, it's um, so we've kind of changed it in the sense that we're only allowing one customer in the pharmacy at a time, um, mainly just to abide by the social distancing rules that are that have commenced, obviously. Um, and we are just having like a queuing system. We are not allowing any patients to wait in the pharmacy um, for the prescriptions. We are asking them to come back, which on the has been really positive and very understanding from that point of view. Um, obviously, if you that may not be at the end of the day, it's not a choice. It is, it is guidance from the government which we need to follow. Um, so at the moment, it's just a case of the workload has vastly increased. Okay. Um, so therefore, our workload has increased and therefore the staffing levels have also increased. Um, since we started maybe about four or five weeks ago with the whole lockdown, it's been or longer the workload has just it's just gone insane it's yep. been really really mental um there's not been like a time where we've just had a second just to be like you know just chill <laughs> take for a, a deep second. breath just, mm-hmm. exactly exactly we're having to constantly remind ourselves to take a deep breath and um, the way the things are at the moment in community when i say community i mean like gp surgeries dentists opticians etc mm-hmm. gp surgeries at the moment have like well, literally have closed their doors to the public. So nobody yeah. can go and see the GP or anything at all. Um, that was a decision that they made themselves. Opticians have closed and so have dentists. So the only people that are technically frontline within the community area oh, is pharmacists of course. Uh, and their teams. So as a result, we're being the workload that we've experienced has been substantial to say the least. And, um, and Azar, I want to ask, like you mentioned your staff, how are they coping right now? They're okay. Do you know, alhamdulillah, I'm lucky that I've got a very, very good team. Um, but the pressure has massively piled up on them. Yeah. I have to give it to them because they are keeping the place alive and they are the ones that are really, really working hard to keep things going. And I, people don't realise that it's obviously... Sometimes people kind of lose their patience with us in the sense that they're not, they feel like we're not getting it done quick enough or whatever, but they have to realise, obviously... You know, this is pharmacy and it's people's medication, you know, life-saving medicines. It's not a case of, you know, being in a supermarket and you stick it through the till. It is life-saving medicines. So the team have been working tremendously hard to make sure mm-hmm. people get their medicines in no, time and when they need it for. That's great to hear, man. And, and you know, you guys have been doing a great job. I, I'm seeing it a lot on social media when oh, you're posting. You. And honestly, I just feel so... Sometimes I just feel sorry for you because I know... And, you know, in your line of work, you, you especially mm. now, you're already so busy before the lockdown and before coronavirus came. And now with, with the increased workload, I was thinking about you and the staff because it's not easy. And I know your brother's got a pharmacy as well, a very busy pharmacy mm. in Glasgow. And he's had, okay. obviously, issues, which we all seen in the news as well with what happened. Mm-hmm. And you've had mm-hmm. to shuffle things around. And, and uh, you know, yeah. alhamdulillah, it's good to hear that you've got a strong team. I know they're, they're pushing through. But once mm. this is over, obviously, it should be back to normal, I guess. Inshallah, I hope so. And yeah, so my brother Adel, he's based in Paul Shields Pharmacy. So mm-hmm. obviously, I'm sure everyone has prepared on the news with the, the another fire which has happened in the area. So yeah. their um, whole team and everyone has moved into our pharmacy. So our workload is now, on top of everything, COVID 19 has kind of like tripled to quadrupled the quantity. So, yeah. not, you know, mashallah, it's great from a business point of view, but in terms of a working, um, a working career that we have, it's very, very full on. But mm-hmm. we're getting there in that sense. You know, we've, we've kind of worked at a rhythm 
of how to do things and what we're supposed to do, who should be doing this, who should be, who should be here and that kind of thing. We've, um, we've, we've kind of made it our own. We've got like an upstairs to the farm, so people have been working there, some have been downstairs. So okay. we've, we've got like a working system now. Alhamdulillah. Okay, now look, uh, I know, you know, you said you got a day off tomorrow, but that day off means that you need to get a better rest because you're so busy. So <laughs> before I let you go, first, you know, the la- one of the last things I wanted to ask you is, uh-huh. how is your Ramadan? Because you're one of those people that's, you know, very, you know, spiritual and, you know, you normally give a lot of time, not only just to, to your work, but also other organisations mm-hmm. like Read Your Ramadan, you do a lot of charity work as well. How's your Ramadan been now that we're, we're nearly, I think it's 10 days in now? How, how are you coping yeah. and how's it been for you? It's been a really, really unique Ramadan. Um, mainly, I guess, because for me personally, I get like so many others, I used to absolutely love going for my Taravi prayers, yep, yep. which is obviously something that I can't do. Um, so I've been reading at home, but, you know, discussing it with friends the other day, and it's just, it's good, but it's not the same, you know? Um, but it's still, we're still lucky in the sense that we still have the ability to read our Taravi prayer nonetheless. Um, from a work point of view, it's, tricky in the sense that we have added like uh, well, PPE I suppose um, so in terms of fasting it's hard because mm-hmm. you've got your mask you've got your visor and the thing with the mask although it is good obviously to wear but when you're fasting it's tough because they do dehydrate you in the sense that it's, it gets really warm when you have to wear it for prolonged periods of time so it's it's a you know our fasts are hard enough as it is because they're you know 19 20 hours or whatever but on top of that you've got like the heat added with your masks and all the rest yeah. of it so it's a totally different challenge that we've experienced with it on top of that you've also got like the massive workload you're dealing with a lot more patients you're dealing i guess with some more not so helpful patients if you want to word that correctly yeah. um which does make it a bit more tricky right. um i think we will need to be a bit more understanding but you know i'm very very lucky alhamdulillah in the sense that you know, for some, it sounds great, I think, on paper saying that, oh, you're off work for so long if you're on furlough or whatever. But for me personally, I'm very happy and grateful the fact that I get to go to work. Yep. I just feel like it's such a good impact on, like, your mental health. You feel yep. like you've got routine going. You know, I have got days dotted off during the month, when I've t- which I've, you know, specifically taken off because, one, you need a rest. Yeah, of course you do. Up, you know, it's, it's true. You really, really need that catch-up time just to kind of let your body recuperate Definitely. and also just to kind of do some ibadah, do some reciting, all that kind of stuff. I think from a from a Ramadan point of view, I suppose I've been reading online because some people say, oh, you have any, you know, how many spires have you read a day and how yeah. much have you done of this and that? But, you know, one reminder that I read online is just, you know, the fact that you're able to keep fast, the fact that you're reading your daily prayers, that in itself is huge benefits in itself anything on top of that the amount of quran that you can read is an added bonus it's not a case of i've read this and i've read that and i've done this i think everyone's on their own journey whether they're on lockdown and furlough or they're working in their frontline work um it varies you know and one thing i would say as well i think it's really great that you've done a show for example on like key workers because one thing that i've noticed from people talking and even on the media i suppose and quite rightly so, you know, we have like our frontline workers, the doctors and the nurses, which are doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. But nonetheless, there are a lot, I feel, that aren't getting the mentions, like, if I do say so myself, the pharmacists, but then also, <laughs> the, um, but then also the, you've got in the hospitals, you've got the porters, you've got the cleaners, yes. you've got, when people are sitting at home now, the amount of online shopping has gone vastly increased. What about our delivery drivers? What about yeah. our postmen and women? What about the ones in the supermarkets? You know, people forget these people that are stacking our shelves so we can go out and buy food still. 
Exactly. Um, so there's a lot of key workers that people need to take on board as well and show their appreciation to because, you know, it's it's tough times out there. It's really, really tough times. And I hope, inshallah, it does ease off. No, it definitely is. And that's, that's why we, we put together tonight's show. We've been doing a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on, on the coronavirus effects on education economy, but... Tonight, I just yeah. wanted to not only celebrate what they've done, like you guys and, and, and all the people on the front line, but also we are going to later on in the show talk about the problems that you guys have been facing and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. things like PPE and stuff. We've got someone on that's going to be discussing that very shortly. And also just yeah. some of the good things as well, some of the discounts and the good things that have come out of it. And also, <laughs> you know, some of the, the great initiatives and charity things that people have been doing. For example, the man who raised 30 million for the NHS, which is, is still amazing yeah. to, to, to hear that. Uh, look, before you go, Azra, and I'm going to let you go, the last thing I want to want you to, to, to speak about is, you know, why mm-hmm. don't you let our listeners know, you're, I know you're a community pharmacist, but you're also a brother that's very involved in a lot of charitable organisations, so on. what's your, your advice that you would give to the listeners, to those that are all in lockdown at the moment in this tough time? What's your, your parting words? I would say, you know, first and foremost, be so grateful and give your shukr to Allah that you are able to be in lockdown and that you are in a position to have a plentiful supply of food, have a plentiful supply of running water, clean water, because there are so many that are around the world who, before coronavirus, struggled to even have that. Mm-hmm. And now the fact that so many of the countries that are in lockdown, you know, they're just struggling to get the complete basics. And because they're on lockdown, they can't access a lot of these things. So from a, like a charity point of view, you know, I'm very, very blessed and lucky in the sense that God has given me the opportunity to take part in different charities to do this. You do realize that people are so heavily reliant on people's donations and people helping them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a believer in that. And I've always been taught this from my parents from a young age. Don't ever feel that you shouldn't, that you, you should only give a certain amount. God will always give that back to you. Definitely. One way or another, whether you get that money back in a week's time or a month's time or years down the line, it will always come back to you. So you'll never lose that. You're always going to gain from it. And I think even more so, I think with coronavirus and everything, I feel it is such a massive test personally that I think that God has placed on us in terms of, you know, how do we handle the situation? Are we being patient? Yeah. Are we being helpful to our neighbours? Like even when you're saying from a charity point of view, it doesn't even mean to say charity that is abroad, although don't get me wrong, of course they need it. Charity also means how is your neighbour next door? Are they of getting on okay? Do they need any hand? Your elderly, um, check if you've got any elderly people in the area because they're more at risk than anyone to catch, well, in amongst many other groups of people who can catch this virus as well and they're not in a position to get out and get their bread and milk and even something as simple as a newspaper, you know, so I was speaking to a patient on the phone and she's like, I really miss going out down to the news agents and get my daily paper. And it's, you know, you, you can laugh at it, but at the yeah. same time, these people are, are so used to this routine and for, for all their life. Nobody has ever experienced anything like this. So it's a huge impact on so many people. So any little thing that you can do to help someone else is an act of charity. It doesn't mean to say you have to go abroad to do it. Although, like I said, it's an amazing thing to do. And if you are in a position to donate online, etc., then go for it. I would highly recommend it. But do remember, if you're not in a position to, you can help your your, your um, nearby folk. And, you know, food banks, especially right now, are really needing donations, I know. Of course. Um, so why not? You know, you've, if you've got the ability to do it, then why not? 
Amazing. No, and stay honest. at home if you don't need to go out. <laughs> there we go. Stay at home Please. and protect the NHS and uh, pharmacists mm-hmm. like our dear brother. As I look, as a Jazakallah here for you. for your great words tonight, and thank you for joining us and helping us out. Um, you know, may Allah no, reward thank you. you so much for having me on. No worries. I'll let you go now. Assalamu alaikum, brother Azhar. Uh, that was Brother Azar Sheikh there from Wellcare Pharmacy, a brother very close to me and a lot of us in the community. And, and he was great there, honestly, the words of advice he gave towards the end. And also just hearing his story because he's on the front line every day dealing with patients and, and people coming into the pharmacy. It's great we've had those two or three discussions already in the first half an hour of the show where we've heard from you know uh, some a uh, dentist and we've also heard from uh, a brother a pharmacist there and also brother Faz who's working in the NHS at the moment uh, honestly great to hear that now look uh, we need to continue the show now and uh, bring on one of our other co-presenters who's been waiting patiently and like I said Akub it's going to be a, a busy show tonight uh, so Akub first of all assalamu alaikum Waalaikum salams and how are you today? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And how are you all the way in sunny Rochdale? <laughs> Alhamdulillah, not not doing too bad today. Like I, I went out for I, a bit of a walk um, before and honestly, I, I didn't realise how unfit I've become. Honestly, my quads <laughs> are absolutely killing me. No, look, I totally understand. I know it's, it's hot out there and, and today actually I didn't go for a walk because I was just busy getting the show ready tonight and so on and I did yesterday and honestly I felt it man it was just a small walk and and after a while I was a bit tired and I see people cycling and jogging and I'm like you know how how are they doing that but obviously if they're not fasting it's easier but when you're fasting it's it's difficult and uh, look we started off the show talking about yesterday and and I'll go back to touch on that it was amazing wasn't it yesterday our our fundraising show for the Trussell Trust you know, Alhamdulillah. You know the the response that we got offline. You know, within our short space uh, that we that we are on air. I think the, I think you know, it, I think we said the right things, and the the community definitely you know listened and they they interacted with with us, and you can see that through the donations that that come in. And it was, it's really good to see that people are like I said are, are looking more to assist locally as well. Yeah. Um, like you said, typically we we might be tempted to kind of uh, you know direct our aid abroad. Or, you know, on an international, but it's lovely to see that a lot more people are getting involved with their local communities and, you know, nationally across the UK. No, definitely, Echo. I mean, a lot like we discussed, it's something that was a home project here in Glasgow, and people were given, given the opportunity, and they will get that opportunity again. I want to make that clear to our listeners that we will be doing another couple of fundraising shows on, on our show, Late Night Live, throughout the month. Uh, so please keep tuned for that, and I will mention it when the dates come closer. There will be a fundraiser for the Trussell Trust and also one that we'll be doing for Wheels to Heal, which is another charity that you'll know more about throughout the month. Um, now look, Akul, we're discussing tonight appreciating the, the frontline workers, the NHS staff. You just heard there from Brother uh, brother Azar and you were messaging me saying that he was great and what he was discussing was, was spot on. Is there anything you want to add to what Brother Azar was talking about? Yeah, I think he mentioned some very valid points You know, in what he was saying and one thing, like you know, I'd like to kind of mention is in terms of what impact this is having on businesses, and obviously he was kind of on the good side of it in terms of you know he's extra busy now during this current current period. And one one thing what he mentioned is that it's starting to implement new systems and kind of new ways of becoming more efficient in in their day to day work, and that not only applies to people that are maybe extra busy or got extra workload. This can also apply to businesses that might be quiet or currently actually um, not operating at the moment because what it allows businesses to do now is actually self-reflect 
you know, on on their service that they're providing, and you know the, how they how they're currently operating. Because for the longevity of their businesses, you know, if they take that time, what they might not necessarily have been able to do before because they were so busy, you know, with their daily work schedules, this should definitely actually help them become stronger, you know, in the long run. Yeah. So you know, one thing I would advise is for all businesses to kind of do that little bit of self reflection. So when they can kind of come up and running again, they can you know hit the block running. No, definitely, and uh, you know he was telling us about how busy it has become in his pharmacy, and honestly, he does a grand job. And uh, it was good to hear from someone, from someone like Brother Azar, who's who's working every day on the front line, meeting patients and people coming in and out of his pharmacy, and also his his brother's pharmacy, which is which is just as busy. And I know these guys do a great job. Now, look, we've started off talking about the different key workers, and we've spoken to a couple of key workers today to start off the show. Now, we're appreciating them today, and one of the things that they've really, you know, been hit hard with is the lack of certain support and services, not only from the government, but just in general, and, you know, they've had such a hard time during this pandemic, and uh, reading up every day about issues that the NHS are having that, that people are going through, and one of the big talking points is PPE, like, in terms of protective equipment, and, uh, you know, I really wanted to discuss that. I was reading an article today. Uh, from the Guardian, which is actually from an NHS doctor. Now the doctors, you know, the the headline reads: "Forget medals and flypasts. What we need is proper pay and PPE." And what he's discussing here, the doctor is, you know, okay, it's great having you know these 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 shows and the the army doing stuff and the Royal Air Force flying by our hospitals and so on. He goes, but we need PPE right now and we need equipment. To protect us and 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 look after us, and that's something that's led to a lot of issues and many deaths as well that we've been reading about. And a lot of those deaths have been in the BEME, uh, you know, uh, ethnicity group where doctors have, have passed away, you know, and it's, it's it's all down to more or less shortage of PPE. Now we've got someone on the phone now, uh, brother uh, Fahad, who is joining us from Bradford. And uh, let's just see if he's there, brother Fahad. Are you there with us? Assalamualaikum, brother Zen. What's happening? Alex, Sam. How are you doing, brother Fahad? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Now, look, brother Fahad, I was going to introduce and tell people what you've been up to during this coronavirus pandemic, but I'm going to leave that to you. Now, look, lockdown was announced, coronavirus came about, and you guys did something that's just, you know, a lot of us have been talking about it and seeing what you guys have been doing. Why don't you let the people of Glasgow and also those listening worldwide right now on Radio Ramadan, what have you been doing during the coronavirus pandemic? Well, uh, basically what happened was when the news started to come about, you can see the the med- social media, the newspapers, the TV, all the interviews. The doctors were crying out saying they're struggling. You can see the sh- everyone was queuing up, taking all the supplies. So. Yep. There was a bit of greediness, a lot of greed that started at the beginning with people taking more than what they should have taken and leaving less for the people that are, are vulnerable and can't afford. So what happened was we thought we'd see if we could maybe try to find a solution to this. So mm-hmm. we rang a few manufacturers up. We, we went through the went through Facebook, went through Gumtree, went through everything, seeing what we could find. We managed to find a sanitizer supplier that would give us a thousand bottles to start to start with. So to take into consideration, we've got no background into this game. We've never done PPE before. We didn't understand we didn't know nothing about this field. And mashallah, we, we, we ended up with a pallet of sanitizer in our garden, yeah? Okay. So this is going back about five weeks or then. 
Right. So what happened? We were looking at the bottles. We thought, let's see how it goes. Alhamdulillah, within about 24 hours, we sold a thousand bottles from just Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. Right. So that thousand bottles then went to old, to the young, to the white, black, Muslim, Hindu, Indian, every everyone we supplied within 24 hours, and everyone was happy because there was a massive shortage. So after that first pallet, then we thought, good hell, should we get another one? So from the first week, we went through the 1,000 bottles. The next week, Alhamdulillah, we went through 10,000 bottles. We started supplying. We, looked, we went a little bit bigger and we started supplying supermarkets, cash and carries, pharmacies, care homes. So each, each week, was a, it was like a level up. Right. Because the, the news was making out like we're going to a big, there's a lot, of, there's a shortage on this PV equipment. But a couple of uh, lads like myself and my brother, how did we manage to get hold of all this PPE? Yeah, we've got no background in this in this game, then we've not got no pharmaceutical company or no manufacturing business. Do you understand? Yeah, and and it's amazing because so, every day, Fahad, we're seeing these news articles coming out saying that you know they're struggling to get hold of PPE and so on. And you guys are messaging me saying, "Then we've got all the PPE here that you would need, and we can supply it." And you have been doing that and. And one one thing is you're saying that you're you're supplying to all these businesses. How big is the demand? How many calls and messages have you guys been receiving? Then what happened was, you know, when we started, we didn't know the extent of what would happen. So we started off just on Snapchat and Facebook Marketplace. We we never went to eBay because on eBay there's a lot of it's too expensive and a lot of people trying to profit on that. Okay. So we thought we'd stick to what we know and we just went with few of our local, we just used our contacts, our little network that we've got, our friends, family, uncles, everyone, whoever we could get to. to and we just started like that. We didn't know we'd take off like that. So we come to a level where we needed more than just to speak on WhatsApp. So we decided to make a brochure. Alhamdulillah, within a day, that brochure went through maybe four or five WhatsApp groups with over two, three hundred doctors, over 400 different care, care workers. Mm-hmm. It went to so many pharmacies everywhere. And that's when the phone started to blow up. And then we thought, wow. Pharmacies are ringing us to buy up us. Amazing. Then we've got care homes then who have got their registered suppliers are ringing us saying, please, we've got a shortage of PPE. We need masks. We need visors. We need sanitizers. Our care, our, our staff cannot come to work. They're not fully equipped. It's not fair on them and their families for them to go to work, to do the care and look after all these sick people, ill people, and yep. not have the right equipment. So we were getting phone calls from so many care homes and alhamdulillah, we, 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 we drove around the whole of UK. We went from down, we went, we went down to Devon, we went to London, we went everywhere. Oxford, we went Nottingham, Derby, alhamdulillah, wow. we done the whole of UK. And we didn't charge no delivery. We were just, and a lot, a lot of the people were grateful to us because they paid the same price they would have paid if there was no pandemic. Amazing. So there's a reason, there's a reason why alhamdulillah, so many care homes have now told us that they want to buy from us regularly because they didn't get, they didn't, they didn't have to pay extra money. A lot of people now are selling gloves for like £12, £10, 100 We were selling at £5.50. Okay. So reasonable prices. It's not even about reasonable. Obviously, you've got to understand with the situation, toilet roll went up by about two, three pounds but nobody made a scene about that. But if I put a post up on Facebook saying sanitizer is costing £7, I'd have about 100 hate comments and messages yeah. and you understand. Of course. And, uh, you know, uh, Fahad, I'm looking through the document now and honestly, I was I was, I was so surprised because I, I didn't know that you guys were, were you know, were, t- were doing it this seriously and you guys seriously are. I'm looking at the document. You're supplying 
absolutely everything here from masks all the way to hand sanitizer and I'm seeing it every day when you post it and you know uh, you know you don't need to mention the type of companies that are that are you know getting in touch with you guys but you're seeing that a lot of the the corporations that you know you would never have had dealings with before these companies are now getting in touch with you saying look Fahad we need we need this stuff 100% Zen like uh, going back six weeks or you I wouldn't have dreamt of this yeah. like the companies that we speak to on a daily basis and Alhamdulillah the messages that we're getting and the response we have to we have to level up ourselves you know me Zen it's hard to we have to go from being normal street lads to meeting corporate people and Alhamdulillah going to meetings do you understand amazing so it was a level up especially for me Look, Once it's been in the game a few years. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of me, those. Yeah. So, sorry, finish off. Finish off. I was going to say, then I said it's been, it's been quite, it's, it's been quite inspiring because look, I've, I've not worked much all my life. I've kind of had it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, so this last six weeks, it's, 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 it's given me a bit of a push to say, look, what have I, what have I been doing in my life? Yeah. We've been helping a lot of people, and I'm glad I've been getting a lot of duas because what some people don't don't see is the the hard work that goes behind. I had yeah. over 50 messages from the old, the vulnerable, the sick, from uh, from Facebook, as I put, I, I put out a post a month ago saying, look, if there's anyone that's struggling to get hold of anything, or somebody that needs to go out to the shops and they have the right equipment, please drop us a message. Alhamdulillah, we were giving out masks, sanitizer for free. We were going to their houses, making sure they've got their basic necessities. And they just went from one thing to another, and Alhamdulillah, we're grateful for everything. Look, I know you guys are, are really busy and before you go, Fahad, honestly, it's an inspiring story, one that I've been following closely because I'm a close friend of yours and Fessels and, and Seth's and your family. You're more like my family as well and it's, it's you know, you jumped, it's not like you jumped on the bandwagon, it's you've seen a need, you, you've managed to set up a, a, you know, a business out of this and it's not to take advantage, it's to provide when there's been a shortage and it's in the news every day, I've got all the articles here. And I've been reading it throughout the day. Every day there's something coming out. We don't have enough PPE. The doctors are, are, are struggling without it. And you guys are getting it to them. So, you know, may Allah reward them. You are one of those key workers. You're one of those people that are on the front line going out. You, you've also been conducting tests. You've also been providing PPE firsthand to people. Everything from the mask all the way to the sanitizers. Now, look, the, the last point I want to ask you, and, and, and I want you to let the listeners know is, how important is PPE? How important is this gear that you're shifting to care homes and stuff? Why is it so important to have this on? Not only just uh, for, for, for those in the NHS and for those on the front line. How important is it for those that are going out in the day-to-day -day business? Uh, well, to start with, this, it, I'd say it's very important because, look, if you ask or speak to family members who have been affected from this, They'll tell you, like, look, it was on the news last night, uh, a care lady, she passed away, unfortunately, mm -hmm. because they didn't give her the right equipment. Right. So for us who are sat at home thinking we're nice and safe, the people that are that are risking their lives, they wish they had the right PPA. So it's, it's something to think about then. Yeah. Like if, if two lads like myself and my brother can get hold of everything, yeah. how come the government can't? Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Yeah. Is it not something to think about? It is something to think about and it's that's why I wanted you guys on tonight and I wanted to hear firsthand what you guys have been doing and so that people are aware and if there are any listeners out there, uh, is it okay if I read out the, the, the name of the company on here? Yeah, not yeah. a problem. So if you want to get in touch with these brothers, they're Synergy Asset Management and they've got a fantastic brochure and for those listeners that know me, 
that are maybe in need of PPE or have any businesses that do require it. This is not an advert or me promoting these brothers. It's me saying that, look, if you guys are struggling and you do require PPE and, you know, you, you do need it ASAP, then please do get in touch with me or search these guys up at Synergy now. Uh, before you go, brother Akub's also on the call with us, uh, Fahad, who you know as well. Akub, is there any final points or questions you've got for brother Fahad before we let him go? Yeah, Sonakum Fahad, how are you doing, bro? You okay? Hi, brother Akub, what's happening? I'm good, I'm good. I mean, look, some of the points that you mentioned are very valid points because, like you said, the demand is there. Um, and I don't know, how are you finding, is it that, is it private organizations that are reaching out to you and saying there's such a huge demand or what type of clientele are you currently dealing with? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how, how, how it's worked is, look, we didn't know what kind of people want it, but for life to go back to normal, everyone has to have this in gear. So three weeks ago, when everybody was trying to sell one thing, we thought we'd look into the future and think, let's, let's target corporate companies. Alhamdulillah, we managed to secure a deal with O2 UK. I didn't want to mention it, but Alhamdulillah, might as well, because it is a big thing. So we've managed to supply them with all their TP equipment for when they open their doors next month, inshallah. They took the three ply masks, they took gloves and sanitizer. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to let everybody know, like, look, for you guys to go back to your businesses, whether you work in a call center or the construction site, or in a restaurant or the food industry or anything, PPE is going to be a norm. Everyone has to have it. So if we're trying to get people to act now rather than get stuck later on, because oh, the whole because world is going to need PPE, there's not enough to go around. I'll be honest with you. That's how important it is to get ready now. No, definitely. And I agree with you because, you know, I, I've seen it myself and I'm sure you guys have as well because I know you've been, I follow you, like I said, your brother is a close friend of mine as well. And I've seen, obviously, the, the amount of travelling that you guys have done to, to deliver the PPE across the UK. And it's just small things like I was just literally going to, you know, put, put fuel in my car and I was going to the local petrol station. And, you know, the guy behind the, the counter, he did have a face mask on, but um, it w it wasn't one I think specifically for you know in terms of the current pandemic, but it was one that I've previously seen that builders where you know when they when they work with dust, and yeah. you know as in, brother as I mentioned as well, it goes when you wear them certain type of mask, it's very difficult because it gets quite hot and it's you know you struggle to breathe actually a little bit you know when you're wearing it for large periods of time and it's like do the companies have the right actual PPE because there's also face shields as well. I'm sure you guys have that in stock as well. Face, like face shields is going to be quite important going forward for uh, big restaurant chains like KFC and McDonald's, which currently in conversation with KFC regarding face shields and the London transport company as well. Because I don't know, it's very sad that in the news last week, uh, they said that over 150 uh, bus drivers have passed away and that's with them having a shield. They've had that shield there for years. So if the if the germs are going through, it's not, they, we're trying to get about we're, gonna, we're trying to set up something where they've got the face shields and the mask for their own safety and protection. So that's in the pipeline as well. So it is very important. Do you understand? No, exactly. It is so important because, like you said, it's all about thinking about the future. And obviously, like like personally, my circumstances, I am employed, and at some point, I am going to have to return to work. I mean. The least that I would like to kind of think is that obviously my workplace is going to have all of these measures and, and everything in place. But, you know, Alhamdulillah, I work for a good company, so I'm sure they are going to have the right stuff in place. But there's a lot of organizations, smaller organizations, as you know yourself, because the demand is so high on PPE, if you want to actually get hold of, you know, stock for a reasonable price, you the best bet is maybe to... 
to go wholesale or to get bulk amounts, but not every organization is actually in a position to to purchase large amounts of goods. But obviously, with you guys being kind of like middlemen and also you know charging competitive and reasonable prices, you're actually helping a lot of people that are going to start to return to work to return in a safe manner, and hopefully, it's actually going to assist in in actually preventing or actually you know reducing the chances of a second wave actually hitting because. One of the problems that we're going to face nationally is when we do start to return to work or uh-huh. you know, return to the new level of normality, that there's going to be a high risk and a high chance of a second wave in because we're going to start interacting with each other. And if we don't have the right you know, things in place, then that then chances and then risk are only going to get greater. Right, look, uh, Brother Fahad, right, uh, we are going to go for a short advert break in the next two to three minutes. And I've actually started to receive a couple of messages from my own contacts that are are looking to to get some PPE, so I'll be in touch with you about that after the show. Look, I, I'm going to let you and and, and Faisal uh, go. I know you guys are, are, are very busy, and just want to say Saturday off today. Then <laughs> uh, well, tomorrow you're Thursday back to work. In five weeks. Tomorrow you'll be back okay. to work, and I'll be seeing a snapshot of you traveling down to maybe France or something to get some equipment. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're, think, so, we're thinking about Germany now. <laughs> okay, but well, if you're there, then you know, pick us up a couple of cars and, and bring them back for us, alright? <laughs> No problem, brothers. Thank you right. very much for that. Thank you very much, Thank Fahad, for joining us. You're 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 a legend. Anytime. Anytime, Keep brother. up the great work, and uh, uh, we'll let you go. Jazakallah khair. So so that was Brother Fahad Bajwa there from uh, Bradford, or Pudsey, if you want to be more specific. Um, very good friends of ours, and they've been you know, doing amazing work, as he's, as he's discussed, delivering PPE to all the companies around the UK that require it the most. Now, Akub, before we go for an advert break, uh, you know, some of the issues, and we'll come on to this after we've done our advert break, you know, PPE is one of the things that's been discussed. I mean, you know, uh, we've also heard about PPE being delayed coming from Turkey and we've required it and so on and so forth. And we've also, you know, heard of all the other issues that we've been having. You know, um, before we do go on to the advert break, things like, you know, long working hours, abuse, you know, and, and, and pay and things like that have been discussed. We'll discuss it a bit more after the advert break. So, um, you know, when we return, I've got some first-hand uh, actually stories from a nurse that's working is it a nurse or a doctor it's a nurse a nurse that's working on the front line and she's given us some comments about uh, what's been going on uh, salam alaikum to all the listeners once again so uh, tonight we're discussing uh, the great uh, things that the NHS staff have been doing we're also appreciating all the work that our frontline key workers have uh, been doing and tonight's show we're discussing not only the great things they've been doing but we have been also discussing the problems and issues that they've been going through and just before the show we were uh, hearing from brother Fahad Bajwa from Bradford who has managed to in the last month set up a company supplying some PPE to many different organizations around the UK he's seen the need and uh, you know he was reaching out and telling us his story and also uh, letting us know how we can get hold of some PPE. And uh, I didn't realise how beneficial it would be to our audience and people have been messaging me there even throughout the advert break. So Jazakallah to him for joining us and also Brother Azar and uh, Brother Faz and his wife Mariam who joined us at the start of the show. It's, it's been a very busy show tonight. We've got a lot to get through in this last half an hour or so and I want to crack on with it. Now before the break we were discussing uh, alongside Brother Akob, uh, issues with PPE, long working, 
working hours and so on. And Abu Bakr's actually been getting in touch with some junior nurses and also some doctors as well. And you've got plenty to discuss, uh, Abu Bakr, about that. So why don't we go on to, uh, you know, one of the stories that you were hearing from someone that you know? Yep, so I've been in touch with... Um one of my friends from school, she's a junior nurse uh, in a hospital just now. She's actually working uh, night shift tonight. Um, and I had a conversation about, um, you know, what's it like just now in the hospitals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got some of the answers here that she said to me. Um, so on the topic of PPE, she said, you know, the hospitals do have PPE just now, she said, except from her, her ward. Um, you, uh, they don't have any visors and they've been okay. told to use goggles uh, but even on her ward there are only two uh, two goggles available okay. um, so they're having to um, you know uh, shift them about so uh, whoever needs it I, 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 so obviously there's a, there's a shortage there where you know, like the saying, they've not got a massive supply of PPE there, there is issues like you're saying they've not got enough visors to yeah. go around which is worrying because We've got visors and we're using them daily, and and some of the nurses Indeed. don't. So, so they're saying uh, she's saying that they're having to um, share the visors, and that isn't good for infection control. Of course, um, there's a lot of uncertainty about when you need to wear a mask as well. Okay, because um, it's something that that you know, I guess the nurses and all, all of us have never really been exposed to much. I mean, there's certain jobs within your house where you're putting on a set of gloves. Uh, and, and you might wear a mask when you go to foreign countries but now it's like when do I wear it when do I not is this going to stop the infection yeah so she thinks there's uh, uncertainty about when you have to wear a mask as the rules change every time you go of in for course. a shift yeah, yeah. Um, and you're not allowed to eat and drink on the ward as well um, she's also said that many nurses have been off with symptoms and they've been told uh, that they're not going to be able to uh, get swabbed uh and tested, and they've been told uh, to just isolate themselves. Okay. Um, I've got a report here from one of my neighbours. He's a doctor uh, uh, on the front line in London, and he said that there's very little PPE um, on his ward, and he is in the main COVID uh, ward uh, where the ventilators are, and he's saying that He's received no PPE and that he's actually had to go and buy it off of eBay himself. Well, this um, is a doctor? Yeah, he's a, a senior doctor uh, in London uh, where this has been affected mainly, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and she's, uh, he said that, you know, the bosses, his bosses aren't really caring and he's had to go and buy the stuff himself. Amazing. Um, I can't, I can't, it's, it's really hard to hear that. And, and you're talking about a senior doctor who's working on the front line. And guys, this is... From between our own contacts, between Abu Bakr's contacts and my own tonight, we're getting first-hand, obviously, interviews and and points being made to us, and it's amazing because I know we're not medically trained, trained or anything, yeah. but uh, you know we've got friends that are, and they're telling us firsthand what's going on. And this isn't me reading off some news articles or from my own research. This is from first-hand conversations that you and your family have been having. So uh, you wanted to make some more points that you you've heard. Yep, so um, also they've been working really long hours and I know both uh, my friend and uh, my neighbour, they've been um, working really long hours um, and they're far away from home as well. Obviously my my neighbour, he's uh, working in London and he's having uh, to do 12-hour shifts far away from home and he actually caught COVID-19 and he was told to go home um, 
and isolate. So he had to do a seven-hour drive back home to isolate and he, uh, he was told to isolate for seven days. But he was saying to me the contagious period is actually 37 days. Right. Um, but he was better in seven days and on that seventh day he was told to come back and drive back down to London London and and get back onto the front line and it's something that uh, actually brother Sammy's joining us as well alongside brother Agob today over over the phone as well and uh, he's also just mentioned there that you know an article that almost half of the doctors have had to supply their own PPE something that you've just mentioned from someone there that you know which is well, it's it's crazy to hear that, and uh, I, I honestly didn't understand and, and realise how much of an impact it's having until you know we were researching the show, and that's why this show is so important because we, we've had a chance to discuss what they're actually going through. Yes, the NHS and and our key workers are going through you know a, a lot at the moment. They're working day in day out on the front line. They're they're also having to do it in difficult circumstances uh, to add to the current coronavirus situation. So one of my friends that is a nurse, she's said, um, you know, working the 12-hour shift and she's having to wear a mask all day. It's very warm in the hospital and she's feeling quite claustrophobic. Um, Which is something that Brother Uzza was telling us as well. He's a pharmacist and he said it's getting very hot. And a lot of our doctors, obviously, Muslim doctors are fasting. Uh, and uh, subhanAllah they've got on their masks and it's you know they're dealing them chefs as well it's, it's, it's difficult and uh, Brother Akub and Brother Samuel are with us and uh, Brother Samuel I'll come across to you I know you've been following the show tonight and you wanted to get involved what are the points that you wanted to make? Just about the basically the lack of the PPE to be honest again like you, you brothers are talking about um, I, I actually went into the hospital myself with yep. some mild symptoms uh, last uh, Sunday and more than anything even uh, the, the most shocking thing for myself was that when I went in uh, the only thing that the, the staff had, the nurses, was a plastic sheet over their scrubs and a, a, a basic surgical mask and for me that was just massively shocking. I just, yeah. I, I was shook to the core. I even said it to you guys at the time. Yeah, uh, I still can't believe it. It's shocking to hear that. And and you know, tonight's show is not what I planned like to to spend so much time talking about it. But it's something that's, you know, Abu Bakr was saying then I need to speak about this because this is coming firsthand from people that he knows and that are working day in day yeah. out in the field. Our doctors are out there risking their lives. Our nurses and our other key workers. And, you know, it's, it's it's something that, you know, they've mentioned and that's why we've been careful not to mention any names uh, and any specific hospitals and so on. We are obviously, you know, sticking to, to remain, keep it anonymous as much as possible. These are stories that, you know, we are being shared with between our community. Uh, Akub, is there anything else you wanted to add to what Abu Bakr was talking about and also everything else that we've discussed? No, definitely. I mean, it's very sad and disheartening to... To hear some of the issues that, that are being discussed today. I mean, one of the points I would like to make is I know now we refer to, you know, the NHS staff and, you know, a lot of people that are operational at this moment as key workers. But, you know, if we actually ask ourselves, these people have been key workers, you know, for our entire lifetime, mm-hmm. if not more. The NHS have been saving lives, you know, since the day it's been operation, since the day it's been open for centuries. You know, I know there's a bigger strain on them now, and it's good to see that they're getting the recognition that they that they truly deserve but you know th- these same individuals are the same individuals that are when we go into hospital you know are helping us are caring for us the same individuals that are stocking our supermarkets that essentially we eat from you know on a it's, weekly basis 
it's, 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 it's a funny one, to be honest. I think um, in terms of just before this started, uh, you had the Home Secretary, Pretty Patel, saying that people like shop workers and like certain people that, that now are so valued were, were, uh, were unskilled, if, if you remember that, just, just before this all started. And now, now if you look in hindsight, it's just, it was a complete wrong thing to be said at that time. No, definitely. I mean, you know, just the the term unskilled in itself is, uh, you know, it's not a very good term to refer to anyone, to be honest with you, you know, in any line of work, you know, in society to function, you know, you need all aspects of it. It's like a, it's like a watch, isn't it? You know, that all the meshes need to get together and they that's need to it, kind of it. work as a, you know, as a mechanism for society to function. And, you know, like, for instance, you know, I'm sure I think, Samir, you've studied um, at university as well, haven't you? I think yeah yeah and yeah. same with me like when I did my course like for us it, there was a lot of a social aspect to to my course you know I studied accounting and finance and you know we go to university there's a lot of social interaction and there's a lot of big part of that as well but obviously it's also difficult to to do the course but I actually did a placement there as well and I was actually working in um the nursing school um and, you know, so I got to speak with a few people and a few of the students and their course and what they have to go through, their level of education is a lot more stricter and it requires a lot more discipline than, than what I had to actually go through for my course. You know, as particularly because their courses are ones that require um, for them to have practical hands-on experience whilst they're studying. So they would actually go out and do work placements for maybe one day or two days of the week, as well as, you know, doing their exams. And even when they were doing their work placements, you got to imagine that, you know, because everyone on the course has to actually find a work placement, they're not necessarily always going to get them in close um, range of where they're actually located or where they live. And some people I know that, that were actually having to travel one to two hours per day just to get to the hospital to complete their work placement, you know, in itself. So it's quite a strain on them. And even the hours that, that they were doing, even before the pandemic, if you look at a lot of people in, in the NHS, the doctors and nurses, they, their, normal, their shifts are 12 hours in a day. That's, that's that's basically it. Um, I've I've spent a lot of time in hospital in the last year or so, and uh, it's just the, the job that they do is just so underestimated. It's just so undervalued up until now um, by the government mainly, and then just people in general. Um, it's just it's just a lack of funding that the NHS has received over the last ten or so years since this government came into power. I just feel like uh, hopefully now something will change, but. You can never, you can never be too. Oh, I won't hold my breath uh, for it. Another thing I like to mention, and look, we spent a lot of time on this, and I'm going to give it another couple of minutes before we go on to discuss the positive things that have come out of this, and and some great yes. news and articles about the NHS and and things people have done to support our key workers. We're going to come on to that uh, towards the end of the show. But before we do that, you know, Abba Bucker was doing a bit of research about the abuse that nurses have received and, and stuff that they've been speaking about. Uh, Abu Bakr, do you want to just read out about the research that you've done? Yes, yeah, so I've got a report here from the Nursing Times. It's, uh, the headline is, Concerning reports have emerged of nurses facing verbal and physical abuse by the public, including being spat at and labelled disease spreaders. Uh, and also, my neighbour was telling me... Um, He's a doctor in London and he was saying that he's experienced some first-hand racism and he's been called, uh, you know... Many names. And yeah, slurs, uh, racial slurs and, you know, he's just gotten on with his work and he's forgotten about it. Um, but 
What do you think about that? It's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's very sad to hear. And also, it is going to be mentioned on our show. We do have actually have a show coming up later on next week about racism and does it still exist? And, you know, there's going to be so much to talk about on that night. And that's one of the things that we can maybe look into discussing on the night, the Indeed. abuse that's been given to our doctors and so on. I know Brother Sammy sent over an article earlier as well about some abuse. Do you want to touch on that, Sammy, before we move on? Uh, just basically about, I think... Again, it's just going over what Brother Robert Walker has just said. Uh, it's just basically the same stuff. Uh, it's just shocking, to be honest with you, more than anything. At a time like this, that people still find the time to spread hate uh, amongst people that are working so hard just to save lives and protect people. Of course. Um, right now, uh, you know, definitely, like- I think what you, what, what you guys are mentioning are valid points. And, you know, one thing what people kind of, you know, maybe we don't get to appreciate is the, the resilience that the, the NHS staff actually have. It's like, Yes, you know, the patients that are physically that, that are situated and that are not well are currently being treated in hospitals. Mm-hmm. It's a frustrating time for anyone, you know, like, you know, Samir said, I've been in hospitals quite quite a lot of times as well. And what I observe from other patients, yes, I have that frustration, you know, you're spending, if you spend more than a day in a hospital, you naturally do get frustrated because you're not, you don't get to go out as much and you're kind of stuck, you know, in a bed. And naturally, them frustrations then relay back onto the NHS stuff because they seem to be the only ones where you know that are dealing with them type of people as well. And you know, I think it's definitely worth mentioning the resilience the NHS staff have not only had during yeah. this pandemic but historically as well. Yeah, yeah, no. totally agree with that. Look, the guys, we've you know we've spent a lot of time discussing it tonight, and you know I think it's something that needed to be discussed and mentioned because. Yes, we're appreciating them today, but I also wanted to touch upon the the struggles that they've been going through that's been added onto them. Uh, You know, the virus was big enough, but the amount of criticism, the amount of abuse, the lack of PPE and so on is something that we've spent a good, you know, half an hour or so discussing on the show. So so now we're coming over to another side of the show, but I want to talk about the good things that people have done for the NHS. And there's so much to talk about here and we've got little time to cram it in, but it's very important that we do this as well now. I'm going to start off with a couple of stories uh, that I've been reading as well and, and you guys are, are more than welcome to chip in along the way. You know, one of the, the big things, and, and this relates to something that we discussed yesterday on our fundraising show, which was for the Trussell Trust and the local food banks here in Glasgow, is something about food. Now, a great thing that's come out of, of what's going on here is that, you know, uh, I read an article about, for example, frozen food that the airlines normally use being given out to, to those that need it. Mm-hmm. That includes staff that are, are key workers, but also to those that are in poverty as well. And, and just I wanted to mention that in reference to yesterday's show as well. But there's been so many stories coming out from the Premier League donating money to our our war veteran who, who who's raised £30 million for the NHS. It's it's amazing that I don't think I've ever heard of anyone raising anything close to that, let alone someone that's 100 years old that's that was only looking to raise a £1,000 to begin with. Now, subhanAllah, we see it a lot in the Muslim community in our charity sector where someone puts on a fundraiser for three or £400 and before you know it, they've had to increase the target up to 1000 2000 maybe all the way up to five or 6000 But this man's raised £30 million for the NHS and that is... You could do a full show on that and how inspirational that is. And um, there was a story that I just seen as well uh-huh. that, um, yesterday. I think it was on the news uh, that there was a Muslim um, man uh, aged 101 years old, and he's keeping the fast. And he was doing a walk as well, and he uh, has reached his target of a thousand pounds as well, uh-huh. which will be donated to the NHS you staff. Know, an- another another story that I definitely wanted to touch upon was um, you know things like. 
things like this that I've been reading today that have just really touched me. There's a nursery company down south that stays open for the children of key workers despite changes to their financial support. So even though the money's not coming in for the nursery for staying open for that long, they're still doing it because they know how important it is for the key workers that are on the front line. On, yeah. Their children have still been asked to go to school if, if required. Uh, and that includes obviously special needs children as well. And, uh, you know, they've been they've been staying open. And that's, you know, one of the beautiful stories. The Premier League donated 20 million. Now, I know Brother Sammy and Agob follow football. And, uh, you know, what have you guys got to say about that? 20 million they donated. I know they could donate a lot more, but 20 million is a lot of money, guys. Is that is that the twenty million from the actual Premier League, or I'm 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 sure I read something about actual Premier League footballers creating a fund. I, I do um, know, I do, do, yeah, I have heard and I've understood that you know there are footballers that came together, but I think that was from the actual Premier League association. But if if someone can just d- double check with that, I did read the article today and I didn't see any notice of of the the players fund, which I've heard about as well. But even then, footballers getting together and our sports organisations contributing towards towards the NHS is, is something that's inspirational to hear. Yeah, I think it was directly from the Premier League yeah. uh, themselves. I think what, what you're touching upon there is the fact that what, what we're actually witnessing is the amount of support that, that there is for the NHS on all levels. Yeah. So you've got individuals that are potentially raising £30 million or maybe raising small, local small fundraising at £1,000 to big associations such as the Premier League. Like you said, the airlines donating their food. So they are getting a lot of support. And like I said, they get def- they're getting the recognition that, that they truly deserve. I mean, I even know someone that, you know, from down south, she actually went went into one of the hospitals and she was discussing this, the issue of actually PPE, you know, quite a while ago. And she said one of the nurses nearly actually broke down, you know, into tears. And, you know, from that, she's then actually gone and, you know, solely purchased, I think, over a thousand items of PPE and then in the process of actually donating that to the hospital. So... We're definitely seeing an overwhelming support for the NHS on all levels, which is very good to see. Yeah, it's it's something that I, I wanted to touch upon because all of us follow sport and, and Brother Fraz is our kind of Premier League guru. And, uh, you know, just uh, he, he's been he's dropped a message there to us to, to let us know. And, you know, even something closer to home, Billy Connolly, who is a, a Scottish icon, um, he designed a bespoke chocolate bar to show appreciation for the NHS workers. I mean, that's something that is 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 crazy to hear and read. But it's 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 amazing to to hear that kind of story as well. And also, just local community efforts from from people just going into the to hospitals and and delivering pizzas. I know charities have been doing that, and, and many people. But uh, we've discussed on other shows the discounts and things that NHS have been awarded, and and that's that's well deserved. It's something that's. That, that they definitely would, would probably need nowadays and, and they're working so hard they need as, as much ease as they can you know um, so many stories here you know I'm running out of I think we mentioned uh, that story as well about Nissan providing the cars yeah, for the yeah, NHS workers as well it, yeah, that was great it's crazy now how about this this is an interesting story which might interest some of our listeners and to those listening in you are listening into Rajah Ramadan's late night live show tonight uh, and uh, we're discussing appreciating the NHS key workers. We've only got five or six minutes left on the show. Uh, and uh, one thing I wanted to touch upon, and maybe I can ask you guys, I know Abu Bakr's into fashion and, and so is your brother, and, <laughs> and I don't know about Akob and Sami, but there's a company that's actually designed NHS streetwear, which is going to be released soon. <laughs> so basically, uh, it's everything from T-shirts, there's also one here, I've got a design here, it's got a Nike logo on it and the NHS above it. 
can you can you guys see this becoming a fashion trend after after this is over? You know, I, I was actually going to just mention before you even spoke about this that I hope that a lot of these initiatives and a, a lot of hope of this, you know, support from bigger organisations is actually is going to continue past the pandemic. You know, we don't want to be in a situation where they get the the support now and then once all this is over that you know things return back to normal and they're kind of left to their own. Um, so it would be nice to see, you know, some kind of continual support for the NHS. Obviously, ideally, that is the job of the government, but without going <laughs> getting too controversial, it is nice to see lots of people doing what they can. And just as you were touched upon fashion, I can't remember, there was a fashion retailer, or uh, I think, I don't know if it's Vivian Westwood or someone else, they actually started producing face masks, you know, yep. in terms of the... But there's a, like you said, there's a whole you know bunch of organisations that are doing great stuff for the NHS at this moment. It, it's such it's such a nice thing to see, and the thing is, is you know, the the th- bit that really gets to me, and it's got me throughout this full pandemic, is why were we not doing this before? You know, yeah. is it taking this for us to appreciate our key workers, and is it now that we're paying attention to 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 the guy at the fuel pump and to the the girl that's stocking the shelves? Those people, and, and a lot of us have worked those jobs. I'm one of those people that's worked in, 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 in a key worker kind of sector, uh, not at the moment. And, you know, there's also another, you know, group of people, you know, that we know that have been involved. And they were never appreciated. Those are the people that are getting paid the least probably within our economy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they deserve everything that we've talked about now. The great things <laughs> that people are doing and organisation and big companies are doing for them. But, you know, this should have been done way before. And they should have been protected way before. And once this is over, they should continue to be protected. And one big key talking point is, you know, their wages and how much they get paid. You guys have touched on it throughout the show. You know, they deserve pay rises. They deserve to be probably paid the most, maybe more than our footballers and and other type of, you know, people that we've got, you know, uh, in society. Uh, they're working on the front line and, and like I said tonight's show was to appreciate that now look guys we are reaching the end of the show before I go I just want to get some final points from Brother Akob and Sammy so let's go over to, to Brother Sammy is there any final words you'd like to say tonight's show appreciating the NHS the key workers what would you like to say it's just uh, one one thing I was going to add there. Um, uh, I think the government needs to possibly look at once this is all over. Um, like you said, like supermarket workers, all these key workers that are probably the low, lowest paid in our society, to, to to give them a more of a basic living wage. Um, and it, it, I think maybe they can champion it with with with, with what's going on at the moment. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that's something that I would like to see happen. Whether it's going to happen or not is a different story, but I would definitely like that's something like that to happen. Amazing. Right. Thank you very much for that final point, Brother Sammy. Akub, is there anything else you want to add before we finish up for tonight? I just want to give a big um, thank you to all the key workers that are out there um, and that have been working so hard during this pandemic. And like I said, even prior to this pandemic occurring. So just a big thank you to everyone. And hopefully we can continue to support them along the way. Yeah, definitely. And, and guys, like I said before, I just want to say thank you to you guys for joining us. I'm going to let Abu Bakr just finish up with the closing statement as you normally do on our show. Uh, I've got it here for you, Abu Bakr. You've got it there. On you go. Tonight's show was a dedication. A dedication to our heroes that may forget about uh, that we may forget about in a day or uh, to day to, uh, our, in our day-to-day life. We forget that uh, the ones stocking our supermarket shelves are human, that our doctors have families to go home to, that our bus drivers keep our cities moving and get us to work. We as a country, 
as Muslims in this society need to be need to appreciate our workers from the from the binman to the local shopkeeper. Coronavirus has affected all of us in different ways. When this is over, let's be nice to those who that have kept this country safe. Our doctors from abroad that saved the Prime Minister to our nurses working 18-hour shifts. Thank you. You will not be forgotten. Amazing. Thank you very much for, for closing the night for us, Abu Bakr. It's been a really busy night tonight on Late Night Live. Uh, I just want to you know, say thank you very much to all the guests. You know, At the start of the show... We had Brother Faz and his wife Maryam who, they are good friends of mine and they've been working on the front line and I just hope Allah uh, rewards them for everything that they've done. They're an amazing couple and, and you know, thank you so much. Also to our dear brother Azar Sheikh who's a close friend of mine who, you know, I let him know just before the show, can you come on? And he said, look, I'll do it for you. And I know how busy and stressed out he's been. And also to the other guests and people that have been messaging, messaging me through throughout the show. Uh, thank you very much for getting involved you're sending me lots of topics lots of things to discuss and i'm going to be honest with all our listeners we, we barely got through half of our, our our research and discussions tonight because it's been such a busy show so much to talk about but we wanted to appreciate the nhs and, and everything that the key workers have been doing for us now look the coming week we've got a really busy week and we've also got a, a great two or three shows coming up this week on thursday we're discussing sport and that's a discussion that a lot of the brothers here and, and even some sisters want to get involved in. So please let me know if you want to come on the show. Are you in the sports industry? Are you a big football or cricket fan or, or so on? Let me know and we can get you on throughout the night to make your points. Uh, that will be on Thursday. Friday we're going to be doing a live appeal for the Wheels to Heal charity. Which is a very important charity um, that's giving it mobility devices. So please bear that in mind. Saturday is, is, is a big show and I might leave it till Thursday to discuss it a bit more in depth but we're going to be discussing, the topic is actually called Thug Life, Drugs, <laughs> Money and Music and it's a very important topic for us and the youth to discuss and uh, you know I'm looking forward to that one and then on Sunday we're discussing everything about technology, social media and uh, and, and stuff like gaming so a busy week coming up and uh, tomorrow you'll be joined by uh, Dr. Nadim uh, who who runs the show uh, normally throughout the week. So please listen in. He's on Monday to Wednesday and we take over again on Thursday to Sunday. So Abu Bakr, Jazakallah for all your help today. Thank you to all the guests. You've been listening to Radio Ramadan's late night live show with myself Zen and Abu Bakr. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you for listening to Radio Ramadan 365 podcasts. Make sure to visit our Radio Ramadan website at rr365.co.uk to access all of our podcasts. Stay tuned on our social channels for future content. 